to do you know all type of work at the same time i put a lot of effort into teaching them anything they wanted to know about entrepreneurship anything they wanted to know about finance or investment brought them with me to any client meetings to demos to investor meetings so they could learn as much as they want to learn themselves because i feel a lot of people love this whole that they get enthusiastic but if you join a bigger company or a corp they wouldn't let you do all of that stuff you an intern go and you know bring the coffee so i have a bit of a different theory here Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Lillian, Creative Director at Michael, co-founder and CEO from Promome. Promome allows you to create amazing trailers, promos and short videos with AI-powered software, Nova. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship Podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by Lillian and Michael. Thank you so much for joining us, guys, from Promo Me. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about yourselves and what you guys are trying to achieve over at Promo Me. Hello, Omar. Thank you for inviting us. We're glad to be here, both me and Lillian. So, I'm the co founder and CEO of, of, of Promo Me, and we started the company four years ago. And initially, we realized that all of that promotional material created uh, wasn't distributed enough on any digital platforms. By that time, Netflix didn't have any trailers kind of displayed on their user interface. And it felt a bit like a waste of the promotional material because you pay the money, you use the, you know, the manpower, the many hours to create a promo or trailer. So that was kind of our in to this. And then with years, we've realized that the biggest problem was not in distribution, but actually in creation. So if you imagine that there are maybe hundreds of programs on, uh, on, during a week on BBC's old channels, and then if you look at how many promos they've created to promote these programs, it will be literally numbers like four, five, six. So we kept asking them, why don't you create more promos? Why don't you create more social media type of kind of clips? And the answer was the same. We don't have resources. So we've spent maybe a year or almost like one and a half, two years looking after solutions, how to speed up that process. Because we realized that problem is like it's a common problem for all of creatives around the world from, you know, like TV broadcasters to streaming platforms to independent creators, YouTubers, anyone who's working with any video, they spend hours on searching through the video, you know, watching through the clips. Then you need to kind of edit it together and, you know, the the draft, then to put some, you know, graphics on top of it and subtitle it. And then, you know, that's not even enough. You need to have a shorter version for social media, this type of version for Snapchat, this type of version for Instagram. That doesn't work for Facebook. It should be a different one. And that wouldn't work on LinkedIn either. If you want to put it on video on demand platform or catch up service, they have like, it's, you know, there's so many things like it was easier back in 69. You had like BBC ITV when you come home, 
nowadays, Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Facebook videos, TikTok. Uh, I mean, I can carry on and carry on and carry on. Disney Plus recently, Apple TV Plus. I mean, they, they yeah. How do you, how do you, you know, how do you compete even with each other? Uh, trailers are third most viewed category in digital. I was not even aware of that before kind of we started into this uh, and you know the first two ones the news and user generated content so anyone with a video camera is a content creator nowadays and i have a friend who's a uh, comedian and he literally a few days ago was talking about how long time it takes him to edit one video it could take him a day to sit there and edit and watch it and watch it and clip it together and then you know do the final watch so that was a kind of our route to artificial intelligence and, and the kind of find a solution where we would speed up some of these manual labor-intensive tasks like search like creation like personalization as well because what who said that one clip should fit them all right if you love brad pitt you should immediately be engaged with the with the clips with brett of brad pitt uh let's say on facebook if I love Angelina Jolie, I should immediately see her. If I love romance, you love action, we should see different clips to make us watch uh, exactly the same movie, right? For some people, Game of Thrones is one thing. For some other people, Game of Thrones is a different thing, right? So that was our, <clears throat> so that was our route kind of into this. And when I met Lillian last year um, on a conference, <laughs> we've met all, literally over spilled coffee. So that was, you know... <laughs> And then she said, this is interesting. So either you're going to help a lot of creatives around the globe. And you know what? I would actually like to upload my mind to your machine and teach it how to do it. So that was kind of her immediate reaction. And uh, with these words, I guess I'll hand it over to Lillian and she can tell a little bit about her experience from the industry. Cool. Yeah, so uh, at the time I met Michael, I was a creative manager at a, at a big broadcaster. Um, I had a team of 17 creatives. We were producing for 11 on-air channels and social media and sometimes even streaming. So it was a lot of work and I, I always talked to the team and they always struggled with time and not enough time to be creative because they had to do like more and more. When I started in 2008 in the industry, it was much more calmer. We had much more money and time to produce things. And also we, we were allowed to do more creative explorations and, and bigger shoots. And as time passed, the request became bigger and also more detailed. They always wanted us to create something for YouTube, like a pre-roll on top of everything else, or like social media assets um, and extra maybe stills, graphics. So like one project wasn't just a 30 and 15 second long video for on air. It also included a lot of things. And then we also had to do radio after a while and out of house campaigns, everything uh, on top of each other. So that became quite a lot for one person. So what it meant basically that all that time spent to think about the ideas, to be creative, to be different, to sell something in a unique way was just, okay, get it out of the way, do something, a quick cut, and then do all the other assets so that we have an, a quantity rather than quality. And I understand that because with, the, with a lot of um, players uh, appearing in the playground, it was something that you needed to do to stand out. But basically that made the creatives really unhappy so and and also not that motivated so it was really hard to motivate people so we always try to come up with special projects to 
to like brainstorm around this like uh, movie combo like what can you do with this like we, 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 we've been promoting diehard movies for the hundredth time so let's just do something different with it so we always sat down and tried to come up with something together so when Michael was when I met Michael and he was telling me about this tool I, I was instantly like okay, that could maybe solve the issue because then all the smaller projects, the small bits that, for example, if you have to create a short clip for social media, you don't have to manually search through. Maybe you just upload the video to the, to the software and then it will just speed something up for you. So you have more time to be creative. At the same time with the search tool, you can also, uh, you are, you are after the analysis, you are offered a lot of things in that video that the software finds. So maybe that would trigger ideas that you otherwise wouldn't have thought of. So that was also a really uh, nice way to maybe give more tools to the creatives and, and empower them to come up with different ideas. Also, there are a lot of um, promos that are lyrics based or, or sync line based, like what the actors are saying. And how I always used to do that is that I always downloaded the subtitle file. I manually searched through the subtitle file for specific words. Then I try to match the time code in the subtitle file in my editing program. So, but it never matched properly. So it was always like two minutes off. So I was trying to find it within that two minutes. If I knew the movie, because I watched a lot of movies, if I knew the movie, it was easier. But if it was a movie that I haven't seen or a series, then it was quite a, a lot of work. Still easier than watching everything. But basically, that was just the way around it. And, and when Michael told me about what the software can do, I said, like, oh, you can do it so fast now. So you can create all these ideas really, really uh, fast and, and at the same time alleviate the creative people from the labor manual work, maybe just searching for something specific or also creating like a, a snippet for, for Instagram, for example. Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's an incredible product you guys have come up with. And it's, uh, I guess it, it really um, solves a, a massive problem in terms of you know, time and resources within that creative industry all across the board. Um, I think it's really, really cool what you guys are doing. So let's dive into sort of timeline then. Um, looking back, so when was it that um, you guys actually founded Promomi? It was in, um, it was on the 15th of September, 2016. Okay. Cool. The original idea uh, came, uh, it was my my co-founder from Denmark, another Swedish-Danish guy who came up with an idea. And so we started together. Our CTO, Tigran, joined us in 17 as a kind of co-founding technical director. You know, when you have a tech startup, you can't have a tech startup without a tech guy. Yeah. So two business <laughs> people, tech startup, uh, something is missing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so he joined as a technical kind of co-founder and eventually, well, we both, or we both, we all know that, you know, a, a startup is not a glory journey until you sell it, I guess, almost. So it's hard work and there's almost no money in it. So we raised some money, we could pay ourselves some salary, but then it went, you know, down the hill because we just couldn't raise more and the model wasn't proven to be good enough commercially to kind of be classified as a startup. Yeah. A lot of investors told us, look, it might be a good business to distribute existing trailers. What you guys kind of doing is, is, is not kind of a, this high scale startup kind of, you know, yeah. type of thing. And that's why, uh, you know, my co-founder left eventually. Um, he had to, you know, have some money or put some food on the table for his family. So that was kind of a part of the story as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I just carried on. I had an emergency plan to you know, take the salaries all the way down to almost nothing and just stayed in London for a couple of years and try to reposition the company with uh, some help from our CTO. And that was kind of our way into this whole AI thing because this realization that we need to pivot into creation of trailers. And it was also much more scalable, right? That problem exists regardless where you go in the world. Any creative is doing this either manual, they have some students to do it for them. If it's a search or if it's the editing part, or is it creating multi versions of things? Um, so that's how we've kind of slowly evolved into this and effectively this year from being our client and early adapter last year, uh, Lillian joined us as a creative director this year in February. So I convinced her, you know, awesome. to, to teach this machine, to give it a human touch and human creative brain. Mm. Okay, cool. And, and between um, sort of 2016 then, um, was it the beginning of this year that you guys really started to actually take this product to market? Or how long did it take to get to the, this version of uh, PromoMe? Yeah, it, it was actually this year where we had a, a kind of a managed service last year where we, you know, we would run a, a code almost on our like on our laptop. There was no front end to it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing Lillian did is design a very nice front end that we haven't quite launched yet, but kind of we stuck to our previous um, user interface. And perhaps Lillian, you would elaborate a little bit. How how, how did you see it first time? Yeah, so I think first time when we tried it, it was just a backend version. So mm. I was just in contact with Michael and, and I gave him a brief and he, he like very quickly sent us a video. Then when I joined, it was in February, early February. Uh, it was already, there was a front end by that time. So, but the, since that time, we added quite a lot of features to the front end. But like half of my job was to design the new uh, front end, basically rethink the user experience and also um, rebranded the company and, and then the, the new user interfaces within that look. And also I tried to think about how me as a user would like to go through this experience because also I was doing promos for a long time. So I sort of I had the promo process in my mind, but also wanted to make sure the UX reflects that process, how an editor or how a promo producer would create something. So, um, yeah, I, I kept some of the logic, but also uh, implemented a few other logic and also some features that would basically make the generation part much, much more uh, easy and also maybe... Uh, combining the the manual experience with or the manual um, knowledge with the with the artificial intelligence so it's like a really nice way how the two can work together without mm. basically that being a threatening tool like okay the machine is going to do everything but like the user will have also like a little uh, overview or or manual input within that so it's a really nice combination of the two Awesome. And I, th I think, um, you know, mm. looking at it from uh, sort of that timeline point of view, it sounds like a, an incredible story so far. You know, you, you guys, uh, you had a couple of co-founders or you had a co-founder, you were bringing people on board, CTO and possibly some other roles. And then um, that sort of didn't work. And you guys went through sort of a pivot, one co-founder left. And it's, it's really cool to see that you stuck with the idea and actually came up with, you know, 
I guess, a, a route out of that sticky situation. Um, so I think that's that's a really cool story in itself. So over over the years, then, um, how many times have you have you been funded, or, or where are you guys at in terms of funding with Promo Me Now? Well, um, you you probably aware of this British kind of tax um, system where you can um, there's this kind of SEIS schemes yeah. and uh, enterprise investment schemes as well where investor gets fifty percent or thirty percent of their um, investment uh, back in forms of tax. So it's really beneficial for angel investors to invest in startups. And we've used that quite heavily. So the first round we've closed was actually the entire SEIS allowance, which is 150,000. Yeah. But then from there, we just kept going. I think before we've closed uh, this seed round we're doing now, so you could almost call it like a pre-seed was around 400K. Um, so that's like slowly dropping, but a lot of it was just a bridge round because the company was, you know, it's not supposed to survive that long. Yeah. Although we've had a, a paying client like from few clients from the previous product it was a it was a kind of on the you know as again as in the survival mode and like aggressively try to pivot into something and prove that the model works so it was a bit of a, a bit of a you know kind of survival mode and just try to get any money that you would possibly can get anywhere and, and keep the salaries and then all the expenses as low as possible absolutely um, so around 400 pre-seed and then we raised 255 in this seed round uh, we're supposed to close it now. We were supposed to do like five, six hundred thousand, but Corona got in the way, and uh, all the commercial traction got a bit delayed. Although we've came stronger back, I think we saw a huge increase in interest and in demos, which is picking up even more now. Yeah. But yeah, uh, February, March, April was a little bit tough. Like all, we've even managed like to send some invoices. You know, revenue is connected to investment, right? Investors want to see some commercial traction before they put the money down. It's not a charity, right? They would like to see you making money, and then they will want to fuel that growth. Yeah. So if your invoices got canceled because they you know, turned down all the kind of projects then investors get hesitant as well and so okay well we will wait a little bit as well so altogether i think we raised around 600 655 k in total since we started yeah awesome and certainly um not an easy thing to do during the pandemic that's for sure um but that's that's really cool you guys are sort of over the hill now um and making progress uh forward by the sounds of it so that's that's an incredible thing um, I think, you know, what would be really interesting is to sort of dive into how the team um, is structured over at ProMe as well. So looking at um, sort of the different departments that you have, I guess, needed to build out to keep this model running, um, or maybe some that you've had to restrict and, and downsize. Um, you know, what, is, what does that landscape look like at the moment uh, for ProMe being this, this platform that you're looking to, to scale up essentially? Well, to be honest, it, it's a tech company, right? So tech had to always be around 50% of the workforce. Mm -hmm. So we've kept the CTO and instead of hiring developers in London, um, our CTO speaks a bit of a kind of Russian. He's from Armenia originally, lived in London for many years. And we've decided together to go for, um, to find a, a developers abroad. Like we looked into Belarus, Ukraine, you know, someone we could communicate with. Yeah and kind of mixing the, their native Russian language with some, some English as well. So it was, it was quite a good kind of good choice because we've got all of a sudden 
relative to London cheaper developers and we could get few of them for the salary of one compared to the London prices. You know, banking ruined it for tech startups in London because they really pay developers overpriced and everything is expensive when it comes to developers in London. So, but we've kind of managed to hire these guys in, in, in Ukraine and we'll slowly kind of expand that team down in Kiev that we have. And we've needed desperately someone who understands how a promo producer, how a trailer, how to, how do you kind of, what's the whole theory behind a video editing and a trailer? So that's where Lillian came in mm. and she was our early adapter and first client. And so she kind of agreed to join the company, which was a big win. And from there, there's another guy who joined us as our kind of key account manager, someone who will like make sure all the clients happy, does some, some sales as well. And additionally, a sales slash project director. She hates the word sales, so we call her project director, but she's a kind of sales slash project director. <laughs> she will and be listening to the to podcast. Be, so. She will, right. Well, she would, she would forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> she said, if needed, you can call me that. Um, and enough, I think that the rest was, you know, we've always had an intern or two, you know, always paid our interns because it seemed fair to do, you know, all type of work. At the same time, I put a lot of effort into teaching them anything they wanted to know about entrepreneurship, anything they wanted to know about finance or investment, brought them with me to any client meetings, to demos, to investor meetings, so they could learn as much as they want to learn themselves. Because I feel a lot of people love this whole, they get enthusiastic, but if you join a bigger company or corp, they wouldn't let you do all of that mm. stuff. You're an intern, go and, you know, bring the coffee. So I have a bit of a different theory here. And lastly, we decided to be very agile, kind of scale the, you know, the tech team in Kiev. Don't gonna go crazy here in London. Maybe keep the sales stuff at the minimum as well, but do strategic partnerships. So we have a strategic partner in Russia. So we'll take all of that part and sell to the TV client in Russia now. We've, we've uh, closed the deal with a uh, media consultancy agency who works with a lot of broadcasts around the world, all from the US to Singapore wow. and Asia. So they would love to resell our product and offer it to their existing clients. So that's going well. Incredible. We've seen already a, a few meetings there. Uh, we're talking to Singapore uh, without mentioning any names. So there, there's a huge kind of interest coming that way. And it also makes sense for us because we would like to kind of expand further, like focus on YouTubers, like turn the product to from a managed service to complete SaaS, yeah. you know, and focus on sales funnel as well. So, and when you fully achieve that technologically, then you don't need that many staff. I think when WhatsApp was sold, well, were there like 30, 35 people, something like it, it doesn't have to be that big of a team. So that type of scale, that's that type of, team and scale we would go for and the and, and the model as well incredible you know you you touched on two really cool things there um which we've sort of seen as almost a a, a theme or that other um founders and investors have, have spoken about on the show and uh, one of them which is uh we were speaking with um an ex-google uh guy the other day uh, on the podcast and his his episode will be released soon but you know he was really drilling down into the fact that 
it makes quite a lot of sense not to look for, for example, development in the center of London. Because when you are in, in London, you're competing with the likes of Google, you're competing with, you know, Apple and some of these massive corporations. And not only from a, a vision perspective that, oh, okay, it's, it's really cool and they just attract top talent, but you're also competing with their salaries as well, right? So it's, it, just, it, it can be quite tough from that perspective. And the second thing which I thought was quite cool is that um, Lillian, you are actually using the product to begin with as well, um, sort of a, a brand advocate and, and actually taking, you know, having this theme of bringing in people who have actually used your product and actually understand the vision and can also contribute from, you know, having experienced those, those problems that your product solves. Um, I think that that's incredible and so crucial um, for, for one of these maybe key ingredients. I don't want to say ingredients, but, but something that can help contribute to sort of the success and scale of, of like building these, these tech startups and platforms, you know, I think that was really cool. Um, but I totally agree with, with the other points as well. You know, um, it's really interesting to see how the team, how you guys are, are building your team and developing strategic partnerships and actually, you know, trying to plan for the future for when you are ready to sort of expand into different territories and stuff like that. That's super awesome to see. Um, so I think that brings us quite nicely onto sort of the, the marketing conversation then. Um, so I, I understand you, you have some strategic partnerships in which, you know, you'll be working with some media agencies and stuff like that, and they can resell. Um, but in terms of, you know, actually promoting your platform and getting it out there and spreading the word, what are some of the, the activities that you guys are, are using or doing at the moment? Michael, do you want to take that? Uh, well, I mean, um, to be honest, Omar, we haven't used any marketing. We didn't spend any money on marketing per se. I think we wanted to sponsor one of the conferences called Promax BDA. Mm -hmm. It's a creative, it's like, for me, to me, it's like Oscars just for the TV. Yeah. And uh, we, we were invited to speak about AI for creatives or creative AI. Mm -hmm. um, and we were doing it for for two years now in 19 and in, in and this year as well we're supposed to be in in madrid to talk about the topic for creatives and as well as los angeles for a kind of a global conference there as well so that's i think the only steps we did the rest was just direct approach uh, you know when you talk to groups like without mentioning any name that could be like a sony group or nbc universal if you talk to one let's say uk office they would kind of want to go and, and do it as a global deal anyway. So you reach almost like the whole world with just tapping into one of these broadcasts. Uh, additionally, what we did, we tested our Instagram, on our Instagram, we tested some small like, you know, 100 pounds per month just to see how users will respond to the type of promotion we do. We've kind of claimed the hashtag created with Nova. Awesome. That's the name of the tool. So if you tap into that, you'll see a few videos and some of them had a, an engagement rate without, like before we put a promotion behind it, uh, there was an engagement rate of 32%. So it was like organic purely. So the people had appetite to see that type of clips that Nova could spit out. And so there was a lot of virality in it. Um, and uh, we just keep posting some of those clips on our Instagram page and uh, it takes absolutely no time compared to if you would sit yourself and try to find where was it Arnold said I'll be back in the terminal <laughs> or where was it um, do you remember Peaky Blinders where um, uh, what is this British actor's name when he comes on the street it was the Jewish guy 
He's very famous. Yes, I think so. Yeah. He comes. He comes on the street, looks around. He's like, "Where is everybody?" And we posted it during pandemic. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is how it feels <laughs> That's to be awesome. on the streets a lot. And like, imagine like searching for that specific quote. Yeah. It would have taken you like, where was it? Which season? Which episode? Like, we found it almost instantly, just like by analyzing the content and typing in. Yeah. Um, so we've done an office commercial. Was like, you know, it's just posting stuff that we create with Nova, I think. And then we started maybe to slowly play around with, with a few kind of hundred pounds per month just to see how users will respond mm -hmm. in the past uh, month or two. So, but really not much besides direct approach and going through our network. I think the good thing about us, because we are essentially dealing with video and video content, so that makes sense to use the social media platform and, and to show what we can do with the software. Absolutely. So that's a straightforward logic. Yeah, yeah, incredible. So on that note, is there, you, you guys mentioned the Instagram channel. Is that the main channel you guys are focusing on in terms of the organic content or do you spread across Twitter and Facebook as well? We, we are mostly everywhere, but I think like we use Instagram as our primary or at least that's where we usually post the videos because we use LinkedIn more for for announcements and, and more uh, industry related news and articles. But I think Instagram is for like that's for fun. So that they yeah, try, yeah, yeah. To, try to match the, uh, the whatever we put out. We try to match that to the style of the social media that we are using. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good platform for the sort of entertainment stuff, right? Um, it, it kills it on there, as, in, especially in terms of engagement. Um, but I guess, you know, the, the next question I would have is, is sort of, and this is probably more between uh, Lillian and Anna. Um, actually, maybe not so much because Lillian, you only came on in, uh, in February. But, um, you know, the brand. Um, I'm just looking at the brand now. So it's, it's, it's a really nice brand. You guys have a cool logo, Mark. Um, you know, I've been on the, checked out the digital presence and it, it all looks really tight, um, especially like the website design and stuff like that. So, you know, when did you guys actually go about developing this visual identity and, and sort of this, <laughs> this tone of voice for the brand? Um, when did that become a, a conversation and a reality? <laughs> Omar, I would, I, would, I, would, I would just say one thing before Lillian, you can, you can say, so let, 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 let me put it this way. The original logo and, and, and the, the name and, and et cetera was kind of quickly made on a, on, on a computer back in 2016 and it hasn't changed since. I think me personally, as a, as a kind of more of a business guy, was, I was focusing on you know, finding the right product market fit. Because I always felt like if you have a product market fit, it doesn't matter if your name is this or Shopify or, you know, it, it could be a weird name. It could look super weird as long as it serves a need. So what you see now is literally since Lillian joined in February and she, from day one, she just like started to, you know, rebrand the company, make it like on brand, you know, define the brand guide and style. And so that was pure her achievement. And before that, it was just pure chaos and it, it looked ugly and you know, nobody really cared how it looks like. It would be a white page and a few buttons. So that was our methodology or that's just this mentality. So Lillian, can you please elaborate? What was your yes, thoughts behind this current branding? Basically, before the date I started, I said to my that, okay, so we're going to do a few conferences and presentations. So we're going to just do a whole rebrand before we do anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, because I, I, I really like uh, working on branding and doing this as well as, as the video creation. So uh, I literally 
sat down and, and I think I did the whole thing in three weeks uh, because we Impressive. had parents coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to be done with it. So it was, it was really a, a fun experience because basically I just, I was just chatting to Michael, trying to define the target audience and, and what we actually, because I was working with him before, so it wasn't totally new for me, mm-hmm. but I tried to uh, first come up with personas or uh, of our clients and also what we actually want. So like some, the whole whole brand up in, in a few key words or key sentences. And then from then on, I presented three ideas to Michael and the uh, other uh, team members as well and I think this was the third look that I sort of came up with and it was kind of uh, decided on the spot that this worked the best everybody was on the board on, on the same page and and on board with that so from then on I just created the the, um, the logo and the colors and the brand book so we now have a proper brand book we use that as a presentation as well we have a presentation template and then after that I designed the website as well so it's really we wanted to go because we are an, a machine learning AI company tech, but also within the broadcasting and video industry. So, so in my head, it was it had to be like really slick and cutting edge and straight forward, but at the same time, also really nice and and creative looking. So, yeah. basically, that was the thinking behind it, and I think it works really well on social media as well. So, uh, yeah, we implemented this look overall to everything. And then in the new UI, it will be uh, reflected as well. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. I feel I... now that we have <laughs> like an overall look of the company. And I think like Michael was also happy about it, uh, that he did that. So it was really easy to work with him on this. Yeah, good stuff. I, I think that's that's really, uh, that's so funny because it's just like, okay, we're going to do a rebrand. All right, you've got three weeks until we go out to investors and we're doing a nationwide <laughs> conference. Uh, there's going to be like 100,000 people. No. Good luck. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was fast, but it was really fun at the same time. And I think because Michael was trusting me, that was sort of a dream, like a creative dream mm. to actually yeah. be trusted uh, and, and to be able to just get it out there and he always gave me good feedback but also let me do what i thought was the right thing to do so hopefully there's always things that we can change as we always well as as i said you know what my personal experience and guys now i'm back with you fully with the video as well uh look like a human again yeah and my personal experience was (laughs) that you know it, it 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 cannot get worse so that's what I yeah. thought. It can go, it can, you know, when you when you kind of branding wise, when you like like no branding at all, it's just like blue color and white color, and that's it. Then it can only like you know go up. It can only yeah. get better. And uh, and I know from personal experience, we've we've kind of reached I don't know version eight iteration of our <laughs> presentation and the decks. So I knew that you know it, it's an ongoing process. Now we're probably going to work on version nine already because like there are new ideas, simpler text, simpler wordings. It's never-ending process. So like yeah. just because you think you will have, yeah, you'll design something, it's going to stay forever. It's it's not in the startup world, not in the tech startup. Uh, otherwise, yeah, um, maybe a few things will stay. Let's say the colors. Like we've designed a logo for the product now, which is more like like an Apple logo. You know, it stayed the same. 
well, besides the first one, you know, with the Newton and whatever tree. Do you know the very first Apple logo? It was super complicated logo. Yes, it was very intricate. <laughs> exactly. <wasn't> <laughs> so we've we've got a guy who has this also vision together with Lillian kind of tries to, you know, maybe give his, uh, how do you call it, pitch in to, to that. And we wanted to go for something that will stay kind of, you know, through generations and you can just slightly tweak it, but it will be like more clean and like, yeah. And, and yeah, by that, like, what we also did with the product, the software, is that we gave it a name. So that was also something that we wanted, like we did since I joined, to to give the product a name so that it, it we can call it something, not just the software. Or yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah, absolutely cool. I the logo for that specific yeah product. All right, so I think we've. We've covered quite a lot, and I think um, you know we've definitely spoken about sort of a, a couple of things that could help you guys scale up in the future. I.e., you know, expanding into different territories, um, looking at like uh, a variety of different features being added. Um, so, what you know, over the next sort of six, twelve months, um, what does scaling look like for you guys, or, or how are you going to define sort of you know the the road to scaling and, and sort of the roadmap over the next six to 12 months or even beyond that um so from the current verticals that we are targeting uh, we see a huge 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 interest and i think the only thing that holds us back um, temporarily or in the short term is this whole legal thing you know like mm -hmm. getting approved uh cybersecurity, all of those kind of legal boxes that needs to be ticked we just found the you know easier route to tap into that uh, just as of like this week, okay. which will help in a, in the short term as well. And long term, we would like to open up the platform for YouTubers uh, probably somewhere from August now, I would say, mm -hmm. and so people can go in and try it for free, upload let's say one gigabyte of file, put a subtitles on it, it would just be like a free product, and then just charge a small subscription and have this whole kind of freemium model when you have a small subscription and all to the enterprise version of it where we currently started. So we've kind of started from B2B and we'll slowly expand towards more B2B C ish mm -hmm. and let everyone use the platform for their social medias or Instagram and so on. Um, uh, I have a, a few kind of goals in mind valuation wise as well, because, you know, in the startup world, you value a company based on how much they, you know, what's the valuation. Yeah. Absolutely. So I would love to, I would love to at least, you know, aim for something like let's be one billion dollar company, even if it's never going to happen. You know, we'll if we'll land somewhere on a, on on a cloud, it's still fine. But we need to think and act and kind of try to target something, target a star, like you know, like aim for the stars, and you know, you might you might land on the moon. You know, it's, yeah, absolutely. That's the uh, and also because we see we see that problem going from very like kind of generic verticals like TV and, you know, streaming, uh, also to the film industry, gaming industry, consumers with their wedding videos who said that you can't upload all of your wedding videos, ask your friends to upload, mm -hmm. tag where you are, where your upcoming husband or already a husband and a few guests and say, give me a really nice compilation trailer of all of these kind of different videos. Machine can quickly search through that put some clips together for you, put some fades and, you know, all these cool things and subtitles, whatever you want and make sure that there's a music in the background, you know, like it, it can easily be scaled to consumer product. And if you combine it with uh, some kind of iCloud storage as well, because 
we've done a lot of custom development interviews revealing that consumers biggest problem is not only video editing but also the storage on their phones yeah you run out of storage so if you give them a very powerful cloud that's fully searchable almost like google is offering nowadays i think they try to do that maybe not quite at the same scale but you see where i'm going right absolutely then it becomes very powerful because your cameras on your phone let's say iphone 11 pro and the cameras now you have three cameras but the, the sizes of the phone they're not getting bigger it's like 128 256 it's like it's going a little bit slow like my my phones are full with pictures in almost like half a year and then like yeah. boom i need another you know i need to delete a lot of videos and i'm not very good at deleting them as i shoot them so you see where i'm going yeah yeah so, cool that but sounds 10 really double the company next year end of next year we should be at least 10 double that's the goal and without putting any number to it because you know you don't want to do that you might find yourself in over promising yeah yeah definitely cool um all right then so you know before we sort of we wrap up the show and this is a this is a bit of a, a unique spin here but because we've got two guests on the show so um what i would ask then is uh, from both of your opinions of course michael being a, a co-founder and founder of the company um you know and having grown it over the years and, and gone through the whole um, shifting from direction point of view um you know from your journey, what is it um, that you could sort of distill to the audience some words of advice um, on maybe, you know, people who, who want to go down that same path as well. And from Lillian, um, what would be really interesting is, is from joining, you know, a company that is a tech startup, that is, it has the opportunity to change very, very quickly. It has the opportunity to, you know, to, to grow, to scale, you know, being involved with that experience from a relatively early stage, you know, what are some of the words of advice that, that you could give for maybe some aspiring creative directors as well? Not sure who wants to go first. <laughs> well, I can, I can quickly share a few thoughts, uh, at least from personal experience. Um, I just jumped into it. I was in financial sector before, you know, earning my billions and, you know, having an apartment, a car and everything was fine. And I just decided, you know what, if you, if I don't do it now, it would never happen. So I think I've had a really rough couple of years struggling with the financial side of just taking care of myself. Um, it can be a bit of a tough journey. Uh, if you're young, I guess, and alone, it, it's bearable. But I would say if you can maybe have an idea and try to validate and see if product market fit, which is my second point, validate, validate, validate. I think we were quite blind in the beginning. We we kind of heard that this is a great idea, but there's a lot of great ideas that it's impossible to scale in praxis, especially like if you have a, an Airbnb type of kind of marketplace, you need to have the apartments, but you also need people to rent them. So how do you scale both sides of the market? So that was the biggest challenge for us. And we have to do it in every single market. Um, and we haven't validated the idea enough and we haven't kind of made sure you know, we, we didn't do enough customer development interviews. We just heard from a few people, this is a great idea. And we just started to build, build, build. So I would say, wait with that. Rather talk to a few investors, see if they would invest in the product given there is a commercial traction. Don't just jump into something and burn all the bridges behind like I did personally, for example. Uh, I would maybe wait a little bit if you have an opportunity to have some kind of income, rather work on the idea on the side and see if there is enough interest and really dive into the validation, really do those customer development interviews correctly, really check if there is a, you know, all from 
a growth hacker will tell you, go in, create a fake Facebook page, put 10 pounds a week or a day or something, land them on a free Wix page saying, this product is coming, sign up for the newsletter if you want to be informed. Within a week, if you just put, I don't know, 50, 60 pounds, you will see if there's enough signups. If there are more than 2% click-through rate, if there, you know, there are some metrics that exist within the SaaS world, you can quickly validate if it's valid or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and your sample can be as little as a f- couple of thousand, you know, um, people that will see your ad on Facebook. Even if it's a fake, it could be a fake logo. You know, there's websites that offer you a logo with a Facebook pay everything basically, yeah. and it doesn't cost that much. So don't maybe jump into it straight away because it can be financially tough. And don't just jump into a product. Uh, do spend some time on product market fit. So that's the two takes, main takes from me uh, based on my experience. Awesome. Lillian. To me, having worked for a, a multi-company where things were slow and had a set way of doing things and it was really not that flexible, joining a startup, which was the total opposite. And also right away, uh, much more, um, I, had, I, had, I had much more responsibilities uh, it 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 was much more exciting to be honest, but at the same time, a bit more scary as well. Mm-hmm. So I think even I had more freedom. I had to be uh, really fast and to the point. Uh, also, the other thing I suggest to every creative is first of all be flexible. Do not take things personally because whatever creatives I think struggle the most is like creative people who are who are uh, creating something or even creative director is the judgment. Like if if you're doing something, it's not good enough or it's 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 not gonna do what you promise. And and I think it it applies to everybody who is working with creative. So then you need to forget and move on if something is not working and and just find something that's working and go on with that. So it's like not a personal art more like serving a purpose whatever you do it serves a purpose so um that's really important and also what i always find really useful is to learn learn always learn new things go uh, educate yourself like with books uh, like tutorials videos uh, what i see nowadays that you cannot just be like a video editor you also have to be a video editor a motion graphics artist a colorist and and sometimes a steel artist so like you need to sort of combine the skills and the more skills you have, uh, the more overview you have. I'm not saying that you have to be proficient in all of this, but you need to understand how things works work and i think in, what i learned a lot now at, at with michael is that i'm learning a lot about tech i'm learning a lot about sales because he's pushing me to learn about sales. there is no one area of expertise i told lillian straight yeah. away like yeah listen the difference between startups and corps you can't just you, you, i said first of all i don't care about your title i know what you should be doing and there will be 10 other tasks that you will need to help with testing the platform also talk to the clients and you know, present on some conferences or do a podcast like that. Like a lot of people feel uncomfortable about it, mm-hmm. but other people, they struggle with being in a corp with one kind of area and they, they're not allowed to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like we need to deal with legal, with investors, with, you know, so many areas, accounting. You need to know so many things. I need to, like, you know, together with Lilian, we make decision. If this logo is correct, how about this color? How about it's a variety of things. So it's not yeah. just one area. And from Lillian's point of view, I would also add, if somebody is considering working for a startup, always ask them a question, what is their runway? Because I honestly told Lillian, this is our runway. I can guarantee you 
this amount of month with us given mm. we don't raise or we don't get more clients. If it goes like to, and it can, again, the whole idea behind a startup, if you look into um, Lean Startup book, the, the, the very definition of a startup, it's, it's a group of people or individuals op- offering a product or a service under, or under extreme uncertainty. <laughs> so that's a startup. And if it's anything else, it's not a startup. It's a comfortable business. So given that extreme uncertainty, someone's joining a startup, need to ask the person hiring, what's your runway? If the runway is less than a year, this is a decision to make. Like, would you join a company knowing that if everything goes bad within a year, there is no company anymore? Yeah. 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 And then one more thing, actually, um, tapping into handling the branding project internally Lillian so what would be the one tip you could give for someone who's um who's about to jump on on that um stage is there anything that you would do differently or anything to look out for um I would probably do a totally different thing (laughs) 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 because that was such a quick thing I didn't really have time to question myself so right Mm -hmm. away I just I think the the very very important thing with a rebrand or just any kind of like design or creative job for a client I would say not for yourself but for a client is to to give a really solid basis that you can always refer back to why are you doing that so it doesn't start with me doing a logo but it starts with why what am I going to do and why am I going to do that so if I have that basis I can always refer back to that even like in 2 years does it still serve the purpose or we have to change the basic uh, line? If we have to change the basic line, we do a rebrand. If we don't, then we can always like add elements here and there. Or, or for example, if we're going to do another product, we can always refer it back to, okay, let's stay within this theory, but like maybe adjust this product slightly because of this and that. So it needs to have like a, a basic ground that you can always fall back to and the visuals just follow. So it's, it's yeah. So I just first what I spend the most time probably on is to come up with why, what is this and, and what are we going to tell? And then everything else came after and it was really fast that way because I had a solid basis. And then, and then from then on, it, it was just like coming up with different ways of visually making that happen. So a huge thank you to Promomi for speaking to us. You can find them online at promomi.com. That's P-R-O-M-O-I-I.com. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.